pray, God, that you would help us as we try to follow your way to the best life. And uh, God, I ask that you'd help me to preach your word and only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How you guys doing today? Nice. Well, hey, if you haven't been here in a while or you have and forgot, we're in the middle. We have this week and next week of this series called The Best Life. Um, and I was, it was brought to my attention the week after that. I guess there was a book, right? There's a book written called, like, The Best Life Now, like Joel Olstein or something like that. Uh, didn't know anything about that. I mean, I probably heard it. So he's like, hey, are you? It was good, I think it was Tim. He's like, did you intentionally choose that name to kind of show a different way? And I'm like, not consciously, but, yeah, they'll say I did. So uh, the idea is, listen, a lot of times we make excuses for God. God makes a lot of promises to us. Did you know that? Why are you so mopey all the time then? You want to know why? Because you don't believe him. Um, I get it. Neither do I sometimes. But uh, the idea is it's not just being a Christian. Even if it was just this, it would be enough. It's not just wait till you die. Life sucks. And then when you die, you get to go to heaven, and then it's kind of better. And, but it's sort of like communism, right? Because whatever you do, we all get the same end result. That seems unfair. Um, that's not biblical. Did you know that? That your actions matter here and that you get rewarded for that? Isn't that crazy? You don't get punished for what you do if you put your faith in Christ, but you're rewarded for what you do. What a wild thing that is. Um, so it's not communism. Uh, <laughs> we'll probably get banned for me saying the word. Uh, I guarantee we will. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the promises are for now, too. And if you want the best life, not the good life, I'm going to come back to that. You know, hey, we all want the good life, man. We're pursuing the good life, the American dream, right? That's the idea. We settle. The good life is settling. I'm serious. The good life you're choosing is settling. <clears throat> right, Drew? I like messing with Drew because it's two weeks in a row. I felt bad for a minute, and then I did it again. So, hey, Drew. Uh, no more names today. I won't say anyone else's name, maybe. So... <clears throat> The best life, we've got to be willing to give up the good life to get the best life. I'm serious. I want to say that again. That can be the overarching theme of this entire series is you've got to be willing to give up the good life for the best life. The good life is what you've been told the good life is. The good life is what you've been spoon-fed, force-fed since you were a kid, the great American dream. As long as you have, you know, the white picket fence, 3.5 kids, a spouse, a good, solid career job, then you'll be happy. How's that working out for you? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you how it's working. So the last few weeks today, we're going to talk about something. I want to give you statistics fascinate me because, you know, anonymous surveys, people should, can be more honest. So I'm going to give you some stats. Listen to these. Let this sink in. Loneliness, and this was in 2019. I'm going to build up here, okay? So 2020, you guys know surveys typically are shown, the, the data comes from the year before. So 2019 here would be from 2020. You get it. So 2019, loneliness had jumped from 2018 to 19, so this would be from 54% to 61%. 61% of Americans say they experience loneliness on a weekly basis, daily basis. What does that mean? Well, the criteria is they don't get enough social support. This is what these people say. By the way, this is what the, the survey group said. If you want that info, come ask me later. They say, well, people aren't getting enough social support. There, there, there are too few meaningful social interactions. Poor physical and mental health and not enough balance in our lives. Fair. New report out of 2020, so it'll be 2021, suggests that, stay with me, 36% of all Americans, now remember, when they do these surveys, they do like, did you experience some loneliness? Did you experience a little more loneliness, right? It's always, and then at the very top is severe, severe loneliness. 36% of all Americans, that's over a third, right? 
We know math. 61% of young adults, 51% of mothers feel serious loneliness. That's the highest level. 61% of young, 30, over a one-third of people feel serious loneliness. So on the spectrum of some loneliness, they're all the way down here. <clears throat> if you go on uh, talking about young adults, young adults are far more likely not only to be lonely, but to suffer anxiety and depression, which has become a hot-button thing. It's a new identity. I'm depressed. Depression and loneliness can brutally compound each other, which is true, right? When you're lonely, you become depressed, and when you're depressed and you're lonely, it's even worse, right? 43%, and this is now we're in pandemic time, I'm building up, 43% of young adults in a new, another survey, so it's all close between uh, 43, 61, said they experienced an increase. No, I'm sorry, they were already lonely. So this is an increased loneliness during the pandemic. So they were already lonely, 61%. Of those group, 49% said they got more lonely during the pandemic. But they were already at serious loneliness. Young adults are more likely than lonely are more likely than lonely other lonely people to have basic forms of human attention and emotional sustenance. Half of young adults in the survey reported that no one in the past few weeks had quote taken more than just a few minutes to has, ask them how they were doing. Did that sink in? Do you care? Do, do you care? Because I do. That's heartbreaking. Half of those lonely young adults, 61%. Half of the 61% said no one had asked them how they're doing. In a week. Man. No one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they were doing in a way that made them feel genuinely cared about. Uh, In May 2021, the American Perspective Survey found that Americans report having fewer close friendships than they once did, talking to their friends less often and relying less on their friends for for personal support. Anyway, one report said 25% of people polled one-fourth said they have zero friends. So you're probably telling yourself, because you're good Christian people, that it's going to be different in the church. The stats are different. Well, actually, and this is a quote, is the rate of loneliness in the church lower than that of the greater population? This is from the Barna Group. Barna uh, surveys churches, church people, Christians. Is the rate of loneliness in the church lower than that of the greater population? The data does not reveal striking differences. U.S. churchgoers report similar levels of loneliness, as do their non-churchgoing peers, with both groups closely aligned with the average. However, a notable 20% of churchgoers still feel lonely once a day and 10% feel lonely all the time. One out of 10. If I did that, would it make it more powerful? When it comes to, these are again quotes, direct quotes. When it comes to painful feelings associated with loneliness, churchgoers who have experienced loneliness at least once in the past month experience more severe feelings of loneliness than their non-churchgoing peers. So when they are lonely, it's more severe and the hurt is more severe than non-churchgoers. Let that sink in for a minute. That's disgusting that we've created that. Nearly half of these church-going adults, 48%, say their feelings of loneliness range from intense to unbearable, while, 30, while only 39% of non-church-going adults say the same thing. So I'll say that again. 39% of non-church-going adults, which is still high, say that their uh, feelings of loneliness range from intense to unbearable. That's on this end of the spectrum, right? 48% of churchgoers, it's up by, tw- uh, what, 9%. How does that make sense? I'm reminded of a verse in Proverbs 26. You can put this up, guys. Proverbs, nope, we're not. There we go. Proverbs 26 says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? I don't like that version. Listen to this one. Many a man proclaims his steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? Many a man says steadfast love. That's church, right? I love you. I love you. You love each other. You love me. Everybody says it, let me paraphrase, but who actually lives it? People don't have community 
I'm not quoting anymore. End quote. Those stats are over. People don't have community and friendship. So why is this happening in the church? Well, people don't have community and friendship because that isn't what they're actually searching for. You ready? You don't want friends, and you don't want community. You want toys. You want playthings that are there for their amusement when they're bored or want entertainment, but that can be put back in the toy box when they're bored and have their, they're no longer bored and have their need fulfilled. That's not you, though, right? That's not you. That's not me, isn't it? Ask, be honest with yourself. And this is how relationships get pers- I believe this is what's causing it in the church. We'll get to this. Because, see, I think it's worse in the church because it's not supposed, we're told it's supposed to be different. Different. There's my southern. Yeehaw. Right? We're not the same. So trying to be the same makes us more miserable than it does before we knew Christ. You understand? We're living in the domain instead of the kingdom. This is how relationships get pursued. Let me find a person that will be content with being used, and in return, I will offer friendship when I feel like it. The issue with this, and I mean this, the issue with this, and by the way, yes, I'm talking to you, Remnant Church. I'm not talking to the other churches. I'm talking to you. I feel like ever since we started um, streaming, right, sometimes we have this tendency that we're just, like, we're all preaching to all the rest of them. That's not true. Just like we always think that we're standing with Jesus when he's talking to the Pharisees. Nah, you are a Pharisee. You are the crowd saying crucify him. We got to accept that. That's how we learn. That's how we stay humble. The issue with this, this pursuit of toys, I'll play with you and I'll put you on the shelf, is that even though it's what we pursue and even we get it, it's not what our hearts want or need. And that's why so many of us feel lonely and unseen and isolated because toys don't fulfill friendship. They don't fulfill Christ-like community, Christ-like relationships. So I almost read this thing. So the, the beginnings of the remnant started a long time ago when I was in my senior year of college, maybe my freshman year of seminary or first year. Don't say freshman, first year. And um, I wrote this thought, and I, and I didn't grow up in the church, so I asked a lot of my friends. This is a true story. I did research. Can you believe Todd did research? And I asked pe- the, my church friends that grew up, and at the time, my girlfriend, she grew up in church the whole time. And I was like, tell me what's wrong with the church, because I knew something was wrong. Something felt wrong. And by wrong, I mean just not what it's supposed to be, which, by the way, it doesn't mean we hate the church, right? Life is a constant sort of recalibration of bringing things back. God's done that the whole time. You ever heard of the Reformation? That was happening, right? we got to come back. I'm not saying we're in the midst of that, but are we? And one of the things, there's a bunch of stuff that was in there. I still remember them. Um, I have a journal somewhere written, but one of the things is like, and I knew this, but like there's no real community. And so it's, it, it's almost more stressful because you got to come in and play a game. So one of the things about the remnant that I think we've done is we created this kind of culture where, like, especially at the beginning, community was real. And, like, I hope you feel that and, like, love and all this. And here's what happens. People are drawn to that. I cannot tell how many times people come to this church. And you're, if you're one of the visitors or not, you're going to be like, not me. That's okay. A lot come, and they love it. They love community. They love being seen and, and, and cared about and all of that kind of stuff. They love that. They like playing with toys. But what ends up happening is when the toys want to play back, when the toys have things to share, when there's an expectation of I don't want to be put on the shelf, when there's an expectation of you, I'm sharing my life, what's your life, they don't want that anymore. That's why some of you in this room play church. You don't get it. And then you wonder, you, and then you get upset. We'll get to that later because you, you, why is no one giving me what I want? Why isn't people being my friends? Because you're not being a friend. You're not giving community. Well, yeah, yeah, and this is how I do it at work. 
Well, you're not inward. You're in the temple of the living God. It's not the same. It's kind of like a drug, right? We go and we find some community. A lot of times we give up hope of finding community and friendships and platonic, so we look for romantic. If I get that girl, man, I'm going to be good. If I get that guy, I'm going to be good. Hmm, okay. Why don't you go ask a bunch of married folk? That's reality. I'm not supposed to say that. Oh, you got that perfect marriage. I forgot. A bunch of fibbers. It's not what makes marriage beautiful, the false perception of perfection. <clears throat> it's the pursuit of life together and holiness, right? So it's this odd thing, man, where, where we come, so people come and they're drawn to it, and then the reality is they don't want that. It's like, wait, no, 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 I wanted that American church community where, like, we say we have a bunch of friends, but it doesn't really, like, let's be real. Like, we, it's not going to cost us anything. I mean, come on, we got lives here. I got kids. I can't tell how many times I hear. I got kids. I got kids. It's kind of exciting, so now you can't say that to me. People say it all the time, like, they get to trump me because you got a kid. Oh, I forgot you're more important. I had a person literally tell someone, I can say this, Louisiana Hot Sauce is here. That's our intern. That's his nickname, Bailey. He had a guy reach out to him and say at the time when he first came long ago, uh, does that pastor have any kids? How are your elders not challenging him? Because the Bible says if you can't, you can't run your household, you can't run the church. That's how ignorant people are of the church. And I want to be like, have you heard of Jesus Christ? Have you heard of the Apostle Paul? Have, do you know anything about the Bible? But that's what we do. We create this kind of stuff unrelated to any of that. But it's silly. It's the same thing. Though. We, 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 we're drawn. We want community, we think, until we realize that Christ-like community has a cost, just like everything else. And you don't want to pay it. We don't want to pay it. I don't want to pay it. I don't need you. See, my ten, everybody thinks because I push so hard for, for community that I must have been raised in a family and a life where community is just constantly. No, I didn't talk to anybody but the five people in my family, period. We didn't have any family that lived in this state. I'm not used to your extended grandpa family things where you guys go and have 75 people at dinner each Sunday. I'm not used to that. I don't get it. I don't understand it, and I'm not comfortable with it. Frankly, if I lived in my flesh, hey, you do you, and I'll do me, and let's not worry about it, Okay? And that's why it's so funny when someone says, Todd, how are you getting in my life? God, you don't realize you make it so hard. My flesh wants to go, I don't want to be in your life. I don't, I don't care. You want to jump off the bridge, jump off it, right? But then I'm living out of my flesh because I do care. I pursue this because it's biblical, and God, in his infinite wisdom, has told me that I need you. A lot of you think it's just you and God, like Rambo style, walking through the world in the jungles of life. You don't need anybody but God. Lie. He told you that. It doesn't, I mean, it, I can't wait to read these verses where it's black and white. So going back to loneliness, of course you're lonely. Though I'm talking to the Christians in the room. If you're a non-Christian in the room and you're lonely, that's because you're realizing, whether you know it or not, that the promises they make, the, the water they give you to drink of relationship community, salt water, it tastes good for a minute, but just leaves you more thirsty. It's not real. And then there's a bunch of Christians in this room that, church is stupid, and I hate this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's because you don't live it. Well, it's uncomfortable, and people are mean. I know, so are you. <laughs> a new voice every week. Is this how it's supposed to be? Why do we feel this way within the church when we are given instructions on how to live Christian? It's not optional. Let me say that. Do you understand that? It's not optional. If it ain't optional for me, it ain't optional for you. So what does that look like? Why, is it, why are Christians more lonely? Because, I, and I, I really believe this, it goes back to this idea of a fish out of water. We are no longer content and happy and fulfilled living the way the world tells us to live. Guys, I'm going to tell you this, and we're going to talk about this sometime this year, and it's going to go deep, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm letting God try to, instead of doing what I normally do, and run away with it. But I'm, I'm going to say this now. Listen to me, and this is going to offend some people. 
the Christianity that has been shoved down your throat in America, I'm telling you right now, there, there is a version of it that is powerless and does not have Christ. And, you, and, and, I'm te- and, and the funny part is every church in America will say it because they don't believe they're a part of it. I'm telling you this right now. There is a version of Christianity that is incredibly popular. I don't know the percentage, but is incredibly popular. That is not, does not have Christ at the center. It is a false religion painted with gold lettering and a bearded Jesus that is leading people to hell. And then there's a version where they've put their faith in Christ at least. Like, you only have to know Christ to be saved. But their life will be misery because they're following these, this, 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 this discipleship plan, this Christianity that's not. So they met Christ and were saved, but they're following disciples that aren't following Jesus. I'm telling you that. That's some of your problem in this room. You get upset at me or you get upset at a preacher in the, on TV who's telling you the truth because... Eight out of ten, I'm making this up, but it feels like eight out of ten are telling you that life is about you. So when somebody comes along and tells you it's not, you don't like that. And you can point out the majority of people, well, all these pastors say that isn't true, as though that somehow contradicts this. Christianity is the easiest thing in the world to know the truth. It's right here. If it doesn't align with this, it's not the truth. Period. I don't care what your denomination teaches you. I don't care what your tradition teaches you. I don't care what the TV preacher teaches you. Uncle Bob... Billy, I don't care. Even me, if it does not contra- if it contradicts this and doesn't follow it, it's not real. And I, you, and if you let yourself for a minute, this is completely off topic, but it does fit. If you let yourself for a minute think about some of the things that you've accepted as truth, it'll creep you out because it is not in the Bible. Even your concept of community, I guess it does come. It's a joke. This false idea that you need to be pretend to have it all together, you don't have it all together. It's the great masquerade. Put your mask on, dance around, but everybody plays it, even those of you nodding. That's the problem. We all nod, and then we go put our mask on. When do we nod and say, I don't want to do that anymore? You waiting for someone else to take theirs off first? Take yours off. That's what this is about. So why is it? Why are we alone there? Because we're not pursuing community the way God has told us to. We have to be willing to let go of the good life if we want to have the best life. Guys, hear me on that. You have to be willing to let go of your American eyes. This is the way church lives, two hours on a Sunday, and I don't ever need anyone again. Well, 61% of the young adults are going home lonely. You have to be willing to let go of the good life. We have to be willing to let go of the good life if we want to have the best life, even if it feels weird and scary, and it does. So I'm asking you something. Can you take your gross, and I have them too. I'm offending you a little today. Christian earmuffs off, your eye goggles that tell me you know everything, Sometimes it's like, dude, good Lord, of course you know. You grew up in church. You know what you can, you can say the verses to me, right? Because you learned them in Sunday school. God should have just told us, hey, after five years of Christianity, you no longer have to ever be preached to from this book. Because that's the way it is. Because you know it all. Put that aside and read this like it's new and ask yourself what it really means if it means exactly what it's saying. Exactly. Can you do that? No? With me? Throw a podium? All right. Uh, We have a lot of verses. Now, remember, we're talking about the best life. We're talking about the pursuit of this. So today we're going to talk about community the way God tells us, friendship. But here's the thing. I could pick a thousand verses, okay? I could pick a bunch of stuff to focus on. Today I'm going to give you a survey. Well, Todd, that's not proper teaching. Yes, it is. Paul did topical teachings too. If you'd like me to show you that, come and ask me, and I will show you that. Quit getting stuck on theological terms that you probably don't even know what they mean, Okay? At the end of the day, I prefer to take a, a, ch- a section of Scripture and eat it apart too, okay? Yum, yum, I love that. But sometimes we got to do this because we're trying to show that there's an overarching theme within the Bible. Make sense? 
You with me? No? Nod. You better give me a nod, Luke. You going to nod for me? No? Oh, and frown at the same time. All right. That was impressive. I'll never see him again. Anyway, too late, buddy. You're already in. Uh, you already came to the member meeting. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is, this is, view this as our overarching section. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Who do you think wrote this? Nice. When in doubt, just say Paul. Right? The apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Philippian. Just kidding. Philippi. Okay? <clears throat> and this is what he says. This is, anytime it says if, I find that pretty interesting. So let's assume Paul's talking to you. Not all of us, but to Todd. Okay? To you. If there is any encouragement in Christ... If any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, pause. If you have any fellowship with the Spirit, I like what Paul did here. Should a, does, a, does a Christian have a choice whether it has fellowship with the Spirit? No, you, you have it. If you're a Christian, you have fellowship. He could have just said, if you're a Christian, but he didn't. <clears throat> if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. So I'm going to go back to that. Do nothing out of rivalry. I don't do anything out of rivalry or conceit. Yes, you do. Every time that you don't like to be taught, every time you get that feeling of, I know, you ever try to talk to a brother or sister in Christ about like, hey, well, you know encouragement, right? You know scripture says that, that you know, that God is um, never going to let us go. I know, I know. Sorry for trying to encourage you. I know, Todd. I took the class. Or those moments when we have to appear like we are good. Is that not rivalry and conceit? Am I not comparing myself to you? Of course I am. Okay? So do nothing out of rivalry and conceit, he said, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Well, how does that tie in, Todd? Because if I drop my facade of looking better than Josh, then, I, then, then it's going to be about him. Then I'm going to be able to love him. If I come to him and say, how you doing, man, versus how are thy brother? Take us care as he's sobbing, right? I shall pray for thee. No. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not for his, not only for his own interests. There, I like this realistic. Hey, you're going to take care of your business. It's one of the right. Random House guys know that's sort of our theme. Take care of your business, but also for the interests of others. And then this verse should punch you in the mouth because it does me. Verse five. Verse five. <laughs> Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. And I could have put the whole section, but I had to stop myself because he goes on to say, because I'm paraphrasing, because Christ who is God, considered himself a slave, emptied himself of his honor to serve us. Now, you're like, that's kind of nice. I just had this talk today. Now, if Austin's here, you're going to know. I told you um, that we get into this. See, the idea here is, what, what does that mean? Well, listen, he got spit on. He was slapped. He was mocked. Not just at the end. Everybody's like, yeah, the crucifixion. No, he's mocked the whole time. He was told that he was a devil worshiper. He was a liar. He was crazy. I would already been swinging about three names in. Right? Why did he do that? Did he have to? No. He did it because he viewed us as more important than himself. I will take this shame. I will take this embarrassment. I, and you don't think he felt it? You don't think he had moments where his flesh, because he was fully God, fully man, that there was a way that, that he, if he had let it, it could have taken, that messes with some of you, doesn't it? That he could have. 
But he didn't because he focused on us and our needs and our desires. Okay, so if there's any encouragement, if you're a Christian, focus on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Game time. You ready? How often do you consider others as more important than yourselves? I can't wait. This is the one I'm going to get a lot of you. Today's one of those days. I think I've been nice. Now I challenge. You ready? Here it is. Well, I do that, Todd. Oh. How often do you use the excuse of your family? Well, if I'm looking out for my family, I can sacrifice everybody else. Well, I'm looking out for my, for my wife, man, so I don't have to take care of you. My wife wants me home, so I can't serve. My husband, my husband says I got to, sorry, being a good husband means I can't serve. Being a good wife means I can't love other people. Sorry, put my family first. Selfish. I already messed with some people. Todd, the family is the bedrock of the church. It is. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that that trumps what God has told us to do. When you put your family above every other family, are you not doing the same thing? You just lie to yourself, justify it by saying, well, it's not really just me, it's everybody. I'll tell you a story. And if it's, <laughs> if you're a member here, it involves some of you, but I promise you I'm not thinking of a specific person. So at Christmas time, we have our Christmas Eve service, and they know this. And we have to have volunteers to do the kids because we try to have it for the real little kids. You know, we let the other kids be in here. Like the, I, don't, I don't know the ages. Emma could tell you, whatever. But the real little kids, we, we, we give the parents an opportunity to, to have them watched. And this year, every single person, well, I wanted to be with my family. Well, it's important that I'm in there with my husband or wife. Well, it's, and I just, I sat there and thought, how interesting that we're sitting here celebrating the birth of the greatest servant that ever walked the face of the earth, demanding that we be served. Now, these people are amazing and do serve 99% of the time. It just so happened that the, the concept of it, right? And, and that's not wrong. I'm not saying that going, please, don't do the typical thing where you make an extreme. I'm not saying hate your family. Todd said hate my family. No. But the fact that you get irritated because I said that proves it's something in your heart. Marriage, spouse, your kids even. God is not going to ask you, well, 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 what do you mean? i got to take care of my kids. Did I say sacrifice your children? Like stab them and kill them? Did I say? No. Why are you worried about that? Why do you think you're allowed to interpret God's word the way you want to each moment? Selfishness isn't just about me. It's anytime I put what benefits me above everybody else. And, and that, some people do it subconsciously, elevate it, and then some of you use it as a lame excuse because you know in Christianity I'm not allowed to tell you, hey, man, you probably could serve. No, I can't because of my wife. Right, so then I can't say anything to you because then I'm tearing your family apart. You get that? That's kind of deep. Do you get that? I'll stay here until I hear something. You guys get that? Thank you. That's the truth. And if I made you mad, why? I ain't said your name. So who did? <sighs> Move forward. Doing an overview, right? And we'll come back to this. Colossians. Who do you think wrote it? Paul. Is it a trick again? I told you. You got to trust me. Unless it's named after a human being, just guess Paul. <clears throat> Colossians 3. <laughs> Somebody's going to be like, there's a guy at Colossus. Uh, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. When you got it, say, I got it. I love that I'm hearing the sound of Bible, like Bibles being turned. You could, I'm not used to it. You know? So good job, the guys that have taken that challenge. If you didn't bring it, that's okay. I'm not shaming you. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. When you got it, say, I got it. That's enough. All right, that's enough people. Therefore, God's chosen ones. Oh, man, I love that. Did you know that? Did you know that you're God's chosen ones? Does that change how you view it if you know that you are God's chosen one? No, that's Bob. I'm not, I, I don't have to follow it because I, you know, that's Bob. No, you. 
God's chosen one. Here we go. He's not done yet. Holy and loved. Oh, man. Put on. Put on. Any English people? What is that phrase? Put on. Simplify. It's a verb. It's an action. Right? Put on. That means it takes effort. Put on heartfelt compassion. That means genuine. Not that fake stuff where you say, can I help you? And then the person cries. You're like, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you. Heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. <laughs> Accepting one, oh, you just stand with me? Okay. Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Unless they really irritate you. It doesn't say that. Above all, put on love. Put on again. There it is. Put on love, the perfect bond of unity. Now here's the thing. If it says the action of put on, what does that tell us right away? It means that we have a choice. You have a choice to not do it. You have a choice to live out of the old you. You have a choice to create your own version of Christ in which he's okay with the way you live, even though it contradicts his word. Or you have a choice to put on. What happens when I try, Todd, and they tell me, that? listen, God knows your heart. Don't worry about how they respond. God's chosen ones, holy in love. Put on. Put it on. Put it on. Heartfelt compassion. Not that fake stuff. Oh, it's gross, isn't it? Some of you in the room, the reason you don't do church communities is because you, you've been blessed with that, you know, I'm not supposed to say this because the BS meter, okay? The bull crap meter, right? You can sense when somebody's faking you. So like, why am I going to be real? This person doesn't really care about me. I get it. A lot of them don't, but some of them do. And even if they don't, why don't you be the one that does? Change doesn't happen by waiting for someone else to change. Change happens when I change myself. You understand? We want to change a room, it starts with me. That's real. Because I can't make you do anything. Quit waiting for the church's culture to change, and you change. And if enough of us change, then the culture changes, doesn't it? Right? Then no longer will the person who's truly doing this be the minority, but they'll be the majority, and everybody else is the weirdos. Above all, put on love. What is love? Love is the perfect bond of unity. How do we stay you know, churches in America too, man. It's because, you know, I hope it's a blessing and a curse. Because we're not persecuted, we just feel like, oh, if I don't like you, I'll go find another one. You think in China, when, when this is not a Chinese name, so I just, Jimmy, all right, and Bob don't get along, that Jimmy's like, fine, I'm just going to go to the other secret underground church. No, they work it out because Christ has unified them, their love for each other. Here it's like, oh, I'll go down to the other one. Why do I make that voice every time? That's what you sound like to me when you do that. Try to do what's on. Uh, oops, I skipped. Yeah, the perfect bond of unity. The reason churches today are, are, are torn, and I mean the church of the capital C. It's constant rivalry, isn't it? It's a constant, yeah, you know what it is. Constant rivalry. Constant selfish ambition. Constant, you can't, man. <laughs> it's one thing I just, I still haven't gotten. I know I have a lot of issues. Maybe I need to come up here sometime, say every bad thing about me, and then I can talk about other people. Um, because I am terrible, but at least I can admit that. <laughs> Perfect bond of unity, put on love. All right, let's move on. Now, this is going to be the section that I'm going to focus a lot on today when we come to our list. I got a list for you. I know you love me. <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. Who do you think wrote it? Nice, I got you. And someone's going to go, who wrote Peter? Paul. No. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. When you got it, say, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I get it, man. I'll wait, because I love the fact that we got Bibles turning. 
Here's the reason, guys. When you do that, I'm telling you, it happens to me. You're going to open your Bible sometime. You're going to see some underlying section, some part, and God's going to speak to you through it again, just like he did the first time. So when you got to say, I got it. Do you like the Colts? Aha! <laughs> did you hear that? Boom! Yes. All right. When you got to say, I got it. All right. Boy, you come. <laughs> Perfect. All right. <laughs> I know you're helping me out still. Love must be without hypocrisy. Oof. Love must be without hypocrisy. Interesting. You act one way, but I don't have to. You do for me, but I don't do for you. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. There we go. Cling. Hey, pay attention to action words. It's a powerful word. Cling. I got to hold on. When I think of cling, beyond the, like, fabric softener, I think of, like, holding on, right? Like, with dear life, when, like, a merry-go-round is spinning. No, that's what I think of. You got to cling to what is good. Ten, show honor, I'm sorry, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Now, here we go. Well, hey, you ain't my family. That's the problem, right? That's why it bothers me when someone says, um, Todd, you're trying to tear my family apart. No, I'm not. I, I love your family. We're family. You're my brother or sister. Why would I want to tear my brother or sister's family apart? We need to treat each other, not just your spouse, not just your kids. Treat each other with what? Family affection and brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. I like this. You want to compete about something. Compete about who's going to honor each other. I'm going to honor you more. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you more. Right? Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence. You got to be diligent. You got to work. Be fervent in spirit. That means don't do this. I'm going to love you. That's how some of you do it. Like you'll do it, but you ain't happy about it. Here's your food. I'm serving on the meal to you. Can I have another chip? There's only one bag, but I guess. That's like droopy dog mixed with, I don't know. Anyway, be fervent. Be, be passionate in spirit. Serve the Lord. Interesting. So right here we say cling to what's good. Show family affection, brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Hey, remember you Rambo, you and Jesus Rambo people? That's just you and Jesus serving. Well, if you want to serve him, if you want to serve the Lord, you need to do those other things. Show family affection to the believers. Did you know that Jesus says this, and I don't have this verse for it, but you can look it up. I like it. Research it because you don't believe me. Jesus said, they will know you by your love for one another. He didn't mean by how you love non-believers. That's what American, That's what we tend to think. I don't have to love each other. I just love the world. No. He, they're going to know we're different and that we're his by how we treat each other. So what do you think they're seeing? Why would they want what we have? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Who are the saints? Yeah, you, all of us. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Pursue hospitality. Pursue it. I love when I hear hospitality is not my gift, so I don't have to be friendly to you. No, that's not what this means. Pursue it. Be hospitable. God's really hit me with this one lately. Like, I'm the type of guy, my, I was raised this way. I'm, my, parents, my parents from the South, you come to my house, this is a true this is true, like even to this day, like my food's your food, you don't need to ask, just go get it. But I realize that's not really hospitality. Like hospitality is like, for me, I think God's trying to, hey, I want me to get you a sandwich. You know what I mean? Not like, hey, you know where the bread is, <laughs> right? Be hospitable. But why? Because that makes someone feel honored and loved and seen and appreciated. It pushes past their insecurities, doesn't it? Because I was raised, I'm like, if you ask me if I'm hungry, I'm going to tell you no, I probably am. I'm lying to you. I'm hungry. But I'm telling you that because I feel uncomfortable or I feel like I'm putting you out. You know, all those kinds of things. Hospitality overcomes that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice. This sentence is so beautiful. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I've noticed that we tend to rejoice with those who rejoice sometimes. I'm sorry. I mean, we weep with those who weep. We'll come, we'll come around when you're sad. But how often do we celebrate together? Do we rejoice together? We don't. We go to weddings and we're like, I can't believe we've got to stay here for another 15 minutes. And then you definitely ain't going to the reception. I got some of you. Listen, I put my time in. I sat there and heard the guy talk. Why'd you look at Andy? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, right? You have that rejoice with those who rejoice. Like the picture we get in the New Testament church is literally a family. You know, I almost read Acts 2, but we read it so many times. It's beautiful. Right? And they met every single day. Dude, some of you don't want to see me on a Sunday once a week for an hour. Right? Why? You? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> anyway, though, but the fact is, like, these, they wanted to, right? It said they met every day. They broke bread every day. They had meals every day. Can you imagine if we tried to have a meal at this church every day? I'm telling you right now, I already know. Because you all throw a fit. We literally got complaints one time because we had too many community events being offered during the week. We didn't tell anyone they had to come, but we had them and go, there's just too much to do. Like I was making them come enjoy fellowship. That is weird. I'm just telling you, if you're a person in here that's like, there's too much going on at this, you're a weirdo. Because nobody told you you got to come to everything. If you, unless it's God and you're resisting and you conviction. Again, I didn't say your name. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Be. There's action again. You think it's natural? No. It's not natural to agree. I'm not very agreeable either, right? We should look for that. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. The humble here is, who's your humble? Who's the lowly person to you? When you're married, is it the single people? When you're single, is it the married people? When you're old, is it the young? When you're the young, is it the old? Is it the stinky person? Is it the weirdo guy? Right? Is it the annoying girl? Who, I'm serious. Who's your person? Because your person is the one you're called to associate with still. Because remember what Christ said. There is no Jew or Gentile, male or female. Right? We are all one in Christ. We are a family. How dare you treat someone like they're not? You want to go before God and tell him and have to answer for how you treated his son or daughter? I don't. Be in agreement. Associate with the home. Do not be wise in your own estimation. How does this fit, Todd? Listen, you're right. There's a lot in here, but that even fits in community. Ain't nobody wants to be around a know-it-all. I'm above you. Let me show you a verse, and you'll you literally. Some people will. will <laughs> I love the Bible. Anyone that knows me knows this. I love the Bible. This is a true story. I love it. I love when people, especially like when you meet people. Rodney, if he ever sees this, you gotta know a guy named Rodney. Anybody know Rodney that comes to visit? Rodney will say everybody. Rodney knows a, knows the entire Bible, and, and but when he says it, it applies. Okay, there's people I know that will constantly quote the Bible to me. And it doesn't apply at all, right? I'll be talking about feeding the poor, and they're like, well, you know what God says. The wrath of judgment's coming. Yeah, I know, Tom. I'm trying to give some bread here. Well, you know what the Lord says? That the flaming bush spoke to Moses, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? But I, honest at times, a lot of times, it's like I get the feeling. Have you ever met people like this? It's okay. Raise your hand if you met someone. It's like you get a feeling they're trying to like, like you're grading them. Some of you are like, I don't want to be. Nobody knows who you're talking about, right? It's so funny. I ask you all go, I do, right? Yeah. The problem is those people, it's not really about them teaching you, right? They just want you to see how wise they are. It's like people who have a, uh, 
man, I'm on it today. But they have a diction, you know, a word-a-day calendar. I had a teacher, a football coach in high school. I hope he doesn't see this. Um, I love the guy. But he, he had one of these, and I think that's cool. I love words. I was an English major. And if you have those, it really is cool. Just make sure you know what the word means. Don't just randomly say it, right, because it doesn't make any sense. And there are some students out there that read a book, and they're going to go, what? You know what I mean? Or they may, because some of you just think, people make up words, and you go, that sounds good, right? Hey, if we're all jibbagub. Anyway, do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. God convicted me. I'll be real with you. He did. And I realized that a lot of times I think I had been fooled because my repaying them with evil wasn't the same evil. So I was like, well, I didn't punch them back even though they punched me. But I still, what did I do? I, I pull away. I get cold. I, um, even if I, they don't see it in my heart, I've, I've put them in a box. Right? That's repaying evil for evil. I'm still repaying them. They've done something to wrong me, and instead of dealing with it the way Christ told me to, I just deal with it my way. Try to do, try to do what is honorable. It's called. Try to do what is honorable. Well, you can't make everyone happy, but you should try to be honorable in everyone's eyes. To do what's honorable. Are you even trying? If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Oof, boy, that'll get you. Living at peace does not mean ignore them. That is not peace. That is a cold ceasefire. Right? <laughs> Galatians 6 2. It's one of my favorites. It's very simple. I'm, I'm painting a picture here, Jenny. It's just a picture. I'm just <laughs> scared. Yeah, that's right. So I'm painting a picture here. Carry one another's burdens. Who do you think wrote this? Nice. So you've learned. I'm going to trick you one time. Uh, carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If you go to the remnant, if you're a member here, you have heard this, or you will hear it, and you will never stop hearing it. Because this is incredibly powerful. I'm going to say, carry one another's burdens. Okay, I guess. In this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Meaning, if you don't do this, you're not fulfilling the law of Christ. Let me explain to you why. You ready? You're like, analogies, Krista, you'll love this. I can say I love you when you're building a house. I watch you, you're building a house. I love you. I want to help you. And I sit there and watch you strain under the weight of all of the boards. And I watch you now and sweat and fall down and stab yourself and have to get a tetanus shot. All these other things. I can say I love you, but my love is only proven when I get down there in the dirt with you, help you carry that weight, and help you build that house, right? Hey, I'm helping you. Pick it up a little, little, little higher. No, you get down in it. Anyone can say, right, that proverb at the beginning, 26, Many people say they love. Where Everyone proclaims their steadfast love, but where is the faithful man? Every Christian, a lot of Christians say they love, but what, where is it shown? Love is shown in the cost. It is. Will you get in there and help? Even when you don't want to? Well, Todd, I got my own burdens. That's funny, because it actually says, I don't have it here in the same section, it says... Carry your own pack also. You're going to, it's not saying, hey, when I don't have a heavy pack, then I can help. No. God understands that you got yours. Now, here's the beauty. If I'm helping Krista with her, carry her burden, and she's helping me carry mine, then we're all getting helped. Todd, I help other people carry their burdens. 
Why would I let you help me when you don't let me help you? Why am I going to open my life to you when you keep the facade on to me? Why would anyone? There's a lot there, right? Painted a picture. It's a broad stroke, you might say. You like that, David? It's a phrase. Paint. Anyway, keys. I've got your list. Keys to real community in Christ. Now listen, guys, I'll be honest, and I, and I know I made fun of this earlier. I actually would love, it's really hard for me to read all those sections to you and not focus on the specific contextual meaning in that moment, but these all do apply, okay? And I encourage you to go read the entire sections and chapters that those are from, but you're going to see them still, it applies. Because the main point we got to take here is there is a difference between the way the world treats each other, even in friendship and community and relationships, and the way we are called to do it. There is a difference, and if there isn't a difference... What does that say? Some of you in this room today, in this room, now I am saying names in my head just to make you mad. Some of you in this room today, and if you're new, I don't know you, so it's not you. You can breathe. But some of you in this room today, your issue is you're trying to have it both ways. You're trying to live as easy as the world but gain the benefits of playing with the toys. You love being the one needed, but you never need. You love coming and being able to pick your toy up and having friendship when you want it, but you love also being able to put it away. And if you can't have it your way, then I won't do it. If you're in the remnant and you're a member and have had no community in the last week, what does that say about where you're at? My spouse doesn't count. You're not doing this. How could you? How could you do this? Any of that? How can we? I mean, if you're not with each other in time, in relationship, how can you put on heartfelt compassion? How do you forgive each other? You have nothing to forgive because you're never around each other. You never talk. How can you share with the saints and their needs? Do you know what my need is? Do I know yours? We can't do these things. I can't carry your burdens. You are preventing me from fulfilling the law of Christ when you don't let me carry your burden. Do you know that? And the same with me. And, you, and yet we do it, and people in this room do it, and you justify it because you've been hurt. I'm fully aware that most people that don't live in community don't do it because they're selfish. It's not because they're arrogant. It's not because they're mean. It's because they've been terribly, terribly hurt by this gross culture we've created. But see, that's the problem. We've let the madmen take over the house, right? What is that? You let the inmates run the asylum? There it is. Right? That's what we've done. We've let the crazy people set the culture for us. We've let them hurt people and say, hey, it'll be okay. Just play this game. And yet when we go home, 61% of young adults are lonely. I know that you're hurt. I know you've been hurt. And I wish I could promise you that if you choose to live in Christ-like community, you won't be hurt again. But you will. You know how I know? Because he told us, forgive one another. That means we're going to hurt each other sometimes. But we hurt Christ too. He never turned away. He never walked away. And if you put your faith in him, he said, he went so far as to say, I will never let go of you. I don't believe, if I'm honest, Todd, the real in my flesh, none of you would be there for me. There's certain things that if I did tomorrow, you're done with me, period. You know it and I know it, and you'll justify it by calling it church discipline. I've had it happen. I know it. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I've never been lonelier than when I was told by my own church, you can't come back here for a while with no plan of what, when or why, how I can And that's what we're all afraid of. Because if I show you in my life, you ready? And I haven't even gotten there yet. If I let you in my life, you're going to see the areas in which I still sin, in which I'm still imperfect. 
And if you see that, you won't want me anymore. And then some of you have seen horror stories, right? If you know my story, it's a horror story. They tried to kill me. You think I'm kidding. They just gave me the gun. That's what, that, that's what we're afraid of. But that's why our ultimate faith has to be in Christ. Because we will let each other down, but we're still called to love. He'll never let us down. That's real. And I can say that from the other side too. He never left me. And I came out of that more confident in knowing who I am in him. So keys to real community in Christ. Do you like that? A lot of key community Christ. Keys to real community in Christ. That's good. No? I think so. Number one, let go of the me-centered life. You're selfish. You, you are. You care about you. And you is who's wrapped up in me, family. My friends, my dog, my cat, my money, my comfort. That's why you get mad when you get called out. You get mad because right now some of you are mad. Good. Respond to the Spirit's call on your life right now. Repent. Be different. Or pretend that you're reading a different book than this. Or go find some guy, some teacher who will tell you what your itching ears want to hear. Let go of the me-centered life. You've got to be uncomfortable. It's got to stop being about me and it's got to start being about we. And that is a mind shift. That's a mind shift to start looking and caring about other people. We're not raised that way. We're not. I, I wasn't either. Hey, mind your own business. Anyone ever raised that way? I was. Mind your own business. Me too. It is seriously hard. I'm, I'm making a joke, guys. It is hard for me to be, to, to be in community, but to be a pastor is even harder because like, I'm kind of in your business sometimes, right? And I don't like that. Be uncomfortable. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Are you willing to be uncomfortable? What about when you have a grumpy day? What about when you're tired? What about when you've sacrificed and they're not appreciating you? How about then? Number two, this is for real. You want real friends? Who wants real friends? Raising your hand doesn't mean you don't have any, so don't be a chicken, right? Yeah, you want real friends? I'm telling you how to do it. This, if you do these things, even in this church, members, you will have friends in this church. If you go to meal today and practice some of these, I promise you, you'll have some friends before you leave. I believe it. Now, are they going to be your best friends? I don't know that, but maybe. All right? Number two, drop the mask. Drop the mask. You don't have it all together all the time. Nobody believes you. I'm sorry to ruin your, to burst your bubble. I don't believe you. Even the times when I go, in my mind, I'm like, this is sad. You don't have it all together. I know you don't. Cracks always show. They always show. Drop it. I'm done. Do I, does that mean you got to go up when you first meet someone and say, hi, my marriage is terrible. No, I'm not saying you got to do that, Okay. I'm not saying you got to do that, but what I am saying is you don't need to come up and go, hi, I have the best marriage in the world. My wife and I are best friends. We do everything together. Why'd you wink at me? You know, I'm just saying, it's like weird stuff. Drop the mask. You don't have it all together all the time. Be the real you. Let people see that because I, here's a promise. They want to be the real them. Sometimes people just need to be inspired and feel safe to do that. Will you be the one that's brave enough to drop it so somebody else can drop theirs? Will you? Will you? I don't know. I hope so. Whoever said, yeah, let's go. Amen. Number three, show compassion and kindness. And I put show. Don't talk about it anymore. Show it. Here's, a, here's one for you. I love this one. <clears throat> you cannot be, you cannot tell me that you're showing compassion and kindness if you can't even smile at church ever. If, some, if more than one person asks you in a day, is something wrong or are you grumpy, it's not the world's fault at that point. You understand that? It is you problem. 
I'm sorry, this is the way my face is. That is the most ridiculous thing in the world, right? I can't believe how many of you, like you have claimed, like I got RBF, and what, I think that's what it is. Don't look that up. And, R, you know, and, and R, RJF, right? And resting jerk face and all those kinds of things. As though that's an excuse to be a jerk. Quit it. You know how? Let me tell you how I know. I didn't put this verse on either because it says love as you want to be loved. He actually talks about doing that to your enemies. Can you imagine what he means with your friends? So I'm going to tell you this right now. Some of you grump faces, I know for a fact if everybody around you grump faced like you, you'd want to jump off a bridge. I know it. I, just, I almost want to do a social experiment with some of you grump faces where I pay actors to just frown around you all the time for a week to see how long before you go, what's wrong, you know? Quit it. That's, you're, not, you're not great. My natural face isn't this either. Right? But I will do it. If Jess is in here, she's not today. The two times I brought her up, she hasn't been in here. I told you guys the smile thing. Honestly, though, it was she's right. And if you've ever seen me, I'm gonna raise your hand. Do I look grumpy sometimes? Yeah, do you want to be around me? Why Luke, why'd you raise your hand for that? Why? Why of all the things he raised his hand for today? That's the most passion I've seen. Yes. Amen. Yeah, I do. I look grumpy sometimes. But here's the thing. I'm not always grumpy, but I'm also not making the effort to not, not look grumpy. Right? And that's important because that, does that change your interaction with me? I've had people say, man, sometimes I don't, you know, and they weren't even being mean to me. They're criticizing. Like, well, I didn't want to come talk to you because you looked upset. And I'm like, gosh darn it, dude. Like, I've already ruined an opportunity to love someone just by the way I carried myself. Right? Is that not convicting? That you might miss an opportunity to carry someone's burdens or love them because you can't smile? Man, I don't believe Jesus walked around like this all the time, like Todd face. I don't think he did that. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes it's my hopeless face, like, life's so miserable. That's not any better, but um, show compassion. I got way off topic. Show compassion and kindness, even in your face and the way you interact. Do to others what you'd have them do to you. Be different. Let yourself change. Guys, I, sometimes I just want to, like, magically get in your minds like Professor X. You like that? pop culture, and show you the way I was raised because you would understand. If he's watching this, I hope he's not offended. My father didn't model for me smiley behavior, okay? He did not smile. My, I'm telling you, the, the joke and is that he was a robot. He didn't smile. He didn't talk, and his thing was always like, I'll talk if I have something to say, right? And I'm serious, and it's like, so my point isn't even to make fun of him saying, I was raised the same way. I'm not, I still to this day feel weak because I laugh and joke sometimes. I'm like, man, I'm a weakling. I should just not feel anything, right? Some of, that's some of you in this room. You have to choose to live differently because you are not just, you're not from your blood family anymore. Your real father. What is your real father like? That doesn't mean we hate our family. Gosh, I have to say that. Show compassion and kindness. Show compassion. Let yourself feel for others. Slow down. My goodness. Today, when you go to that meal, slow down. Slow down. Be in the moment. Sometimes the community meal doesn't feel like community because your mind isn't in the moment. Be in the moment. The food's just there. It's not the point. Well, I don't like tacos. First off, you're crazy. Secondly, who cares? I challenge you today. If you're in this room and you don't have somewhere you have to be, go to the meal today. And don't worry about, right, who's there and who's not. Go to the meal and be in community. Be there. Be there. And do, those, do this stuff and see what happens. Number four, be willing to enter into the lives of others. I put that in parentheses because, like, you have to walk into it. 
you have to go into their lives. Sometimes they're not going to open the door. you got to knock. Sometimes you got to walk in. I can't tell how many times I've asked someone, how are you doing? And a guy did this to me and changed my life. He said, how are you doing? And I was programmed at 20 to say, I'm good. And he goes, no, how are you really doing? I started crying. I'm serious. My life was in shambles. All it took was one extra knock, and I told him. He changed my life. I'm here today because of him. I'm serious. Enter into the lives of others. That person that you see, I know you. You know how I know you do this? Because I do it. And you see they're sad. You see the face. And you do that thing where you're like, they probably don't want me to come to them. You just made it about you. What if they, what if they get mad at me? You just made it about you. That's the spirit prompting you. When those moments come, obey the spirit. Remember we talked about last week? Don't stifle it. Obey it. Well, I don't know how to talk to someone. You don't know how to say, how are you doing? How are you really doing? People can sense that. I'll use me. You know, there's people in this, I've been told before, well, Todd, you don't open up to everyone. And it's like, honestly, I thought about this a lot because I want to be open, but I probably don't because I can tell the difference between the people who ask me and care and the people who just feel like that's what they're supposed to do. But I'm supposed to be, I try to be transparent anyway. I tell people, sometimes I'm sure they, they're like, TMI, I just wanted you to say I'm okay. How are you doing today? I'm filled with depression, right? <laughs> I just met you. Man. Be willing to enter into the lives of others. That could look different in different situations. You know your friend told you a few weeks ago him and his wife had a fight. Have you checked back in with him just to see how he's doing? Your buddy lost his job and keeps telling everybody he's okay, but if you said, hey, man, you guys doing it? You need anything? You need gas? You need groceries? You need, you know, maybe your buddy's too prideful. You know he needs groceries because you hurt someone else, so crush his, crush his pride. Just drop him off on his porch and leave. He ain't going to throw it away. Number five, be transparent, and this is the flip side, and invite others into your life. You want real community and friends? Let people in. Let people in. Some will hurt you, but some won't. You'll never be content. You'll never have anything more than you have now if you keep doing the same things you've always done. I can't tell how many members of this church I'm preaching to right now, and you're just going to look at me like you do every week and leave and do the same thing. Change. What is it going to, what do you have to lose? If I'm wrong, you're just not going to be in community like you're not now. If I'm right, your life changes, right? Well, I don't, it's uncomfortable. I get it. I get it. I do. Do it anyway. Invite other people into your life. Take a chance. That one person you kind of connect with, try to, you know, that's how friendships start. Number six, I like this. I capitalize it, Tim. That means it's important. Work for unity. You've got to push for it. You've got to make unity work. You're not going to like me all the time. Don't raise your hand again and say amen to that. You're not. I'll just use me, right? We're, gonna get, we're not going to get along. I ain't going to like you. Can I be honest? I'm, I'm, I know I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to pretend to. I ain't going to like you all the time. I'll love you all the time. But, we ha- but when we work to stay unified and we remember that we're family, I do that all the time. I understand the concept of brotherhood. And, so, and when I view you guys that way, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll ride or die. That's who I am, right? That's how you're supposed to view it. Work for unity. When there's problems, do what the Bible says. If someone wrongs you, in your, that, you know, go to them and say, you hurt my feelings. They may reject me. So what? You were obedient. Just because the other person wasn't doesn't make you stupid. It makes you holy. Work for it. Don't let there be problems between you to the best of your ability. Remember what it said, be at peace with everyone. Until you can say, I've done my best, you don't get to walk away. So many times I've noticed today in American Christianity, we skip to the when we can walk away part. Right? When to walk away from that relationship. When to do, I'm not talking about even romantically. Quit. Let's focus on the stuff before. 
Work for it. It's going to be hard. Stay unified. Church family. We want community in this church. We have to work for it. We want people to catch the vision. We want people to, we want to really change culture like we say we do. Then we have to really be radically different. Challenge the new person. Go up to them and ask how they're doing. Push through the walls. Don't just come to me and go, I feel like they have a wall up. Well, don't, Todd gets tired of busting walls. Why don't you bust one? All right? Go in there. Don't crack your knuckles like you don't bust my wall. Anyway, I, my, that's my point, right? We've got, no, my point is not about knuckles. That's not true. But work for unity, guys. We've got to cling to each other. I'm not going to let you go. Don't let me go. Even when I push you away, Josh, even when I try to do my own thing, don't let me go. I have a tendency to do that. I won't do it to you because I know you do too, right? We'll just keep hugging each other. <laughs> and we all group hug. Anyway, seven. I got to get going. Seven. Seven, serve, exclamation point. That means it's important too, Tim. Serve each other. Serve each other. Look for ways to love. I always tell this story. It's so silly. So the cleaning team, they probably, I used to say this all the time. Then, you know, they got punks for punks for a while, but then they're cool again. Uh, but they're so cool. It's such a hard, like, job. It's a thankless job. I remember, and if you remember, I think it was Gabby, I mean, but it was the time that the toilet water was made blue the first time. And this sounds ridiculous. Everybody's like, where are you going, Todd? I was literally so in awe of, like, someone loved me enough to make this water blue for me today. Right? Because I'm going to be honest. When I go to the bathroom and I see nice, clean, clean is chemicals, right? But when I see nice blue water and I don't have to see what's underneath it, that's just a nice day for me. It made me feel loved. I'm serious, right? Now you go in, you see blue. This is such a ridiculous story. But it's little things like that. Okay? It's little things like that. You know, I could give a hundred stories from that of, of people who reach out to me, me personally, and just, you know, how are you doing? Hey, I was thinking about you today. And cur- and that, that's serving and loving me, man. Some of you in this room, I could say my name. I know, you know, Brandon does. A lot of you have done it. Brandon and Kaylee done it. And Hannah's done I mean, there's a million people that have done it, you know. Just saying, how are you doing today? And actually mean it. That, that means a lot. Emma sends me verses randomly, even if I don't respond because I'm an idiot or I don't push send. And then it's that awkward place where it's been four days. Do I hit send still? I don't know. Like, serve, right? Number eight. I mean that serve. Look for ways to serve and love each other, and you'll be in real community. Because they're going to start being like, you came through for me, right? Number eight, forgive. Guys, if we don't forgive each other, this will never work. You'll never have real friendship. Think about your best friends. You ever been mad at them? Even if they're not in this church. Yes, you have. I punched my best friend before, and he didn't start it, okay? I mean, he did with his attitude. But this was back in the day, right? I love you, Chris, kind of. Um, yeah, so the, but the truth is, like, at the end of the day, we forgive each other. We love. That's my brother, right? We don't talk. He's hurt me. I've hurt him. But that's my brother. He can call me today. I can call him. That's how it works. Right? Because we forgive. We know each other's hearts. We've chosen, you know, after you forgive enough, you all of a sudden, you don't even need to forgive as often because you know their heart. You don't get wronged as often. Does that make sense? Choose to forgive. Nine. I'll give you a, I'll give you a bonus. There's like two lists in one today. Just love. What does that mean? How did Christ love you? Just love people. Do, you know what love is. Don't make me define that. Love people. The real agape kind of love, that God-like love that says, I'm going to love you even though it has a cost, even though I don't get anything out of it, I'm going to love you. And watch. You do these things, guys. You. Notice I didn't say make them do it. You do these things and you will have community. I promise. 
Because real recognizes real. You get what I mean? And you'll find each other. She's going to come play a little bit of music today. I know I went long as per normal. Um, and we'll try to make this brief, but I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond. Are you a person in this room that has a lot of hurt that's preventing you from being in the community? Or you're selfish. You're sinfully selfish. And you feel that conviction. Why don't you repent of that today? What is repentance? It's just saying, God, I'm done doing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start living with an outward view instead of just an inward focus on me. I'm not going to live me-centered anymore. I'm not going to put me and mine above everybody else. I want that. I want to change the culture. I want a culture in which the hurt people get seen. I want a culture in which 61% of young adults don't feel lonely. That 49% of all Christians, whatever it was, don't feel lonely. I want to create a place where people don't feel like I feel. Sometimes that's where it starts, right? You're the agent of change, and you trust that God's going to fill yours. we got to change some stuff. You want the best life? Newsflash for you. You can't do it alone. And you, you and your wife ain't riding solo either. Or your husband. That won't fix it all. You, we need each other. God has told us that. Well, church is heavy and stupid. No one likes me. Probably nobody knows you. Be willing to be different. Let's do it, not only for yourselves, though that, that's true. Do you want the best life? You want a rich life filled with relationships and, and friendships and all of those beautiful moments in life that you experience together? Do you want the Acts 2 church? Then you got to do Acts 2 type things. Are you going to get hurt? Probably. Probably sometimes. But you're also going to experience miraculous, beautiful moments. Don't just play with toys, guys. Don't settle for that. Might as well just go buy a stuffed animal. Call it your friend. You have to invest. You have to cultivate. I say it all the time. You gotta cultivate community. You gotta put the time and the effort in. You know, all of us want to go home and take a nap after this. Nobody wants to stay and eat a meal together if they if they all the time. That's just an example, right? You do it not just for you. Sometimes you're the community for someone else. And then we look at the church as a whole, the capital C, it needs to be changed. People are hurting and lonely and broken and sad. And the reason, and, and honest to God, when I look at their lives, I understand why they don't open up. Some of the stories I've been told by some of you of what's happened when you open up makes me so angry because of what was done to you. But don't let them set the culture for us. Then they win. Let's do it different so that we don't do that to someone else. But in order to do that, church, you have to commit. <laughs> I say this a lot lately. You can't have Christian community without being committed to a church. I'm not saying it has to be here. There are a lot of good churches out there. There's a lot of not. There's a lot of good churches. Find one. Put your roots down. Say this is home. Through thick or thin. If you've got to tell yourself, I'm going to stick it out for six months or a year to trick yourself, do it. Do that and practice this. Don't shop. Don't wait around. Don't look for the, the, the problems. Find a church home and practice these things. Find a church that wants to do these things, that preaches the truth of God, and make it your home and find real community. And when you do that, when a church chooses to live like an Acts 2 church, then it starts to do Acts 2 things. And what happened to the church in Acts, it says, and every day the people were amazed and numbers were being added to them. Every day. 
it says that. And every day, numbers were added to me. It only happens because they were willing to love each other radically and in that show just a glimpse of the way God loves us. So many of you in this room, you're right there at the door. You're right there. You say, I'm going to keep coming, but I'm not committing. You know why? Because you want a toy. You want the remnant here when you want it, but you don't want to invest enough because what if they hurt you? What if they ask something of you you don't want to give? If today's your first day, sorry, that's intense. Now I'm talking to you. But I'm telling you, the fact you don't want to be a member, you know why? Because you know that means something to you. never find it hopping from place to place. It's impossible. That's the appeal of the giant churches. You know, people say, Todd, if you grow, can you keep a culture of community? Is it even possible? It has to be. It has to be possible. We'll worry about that when we get there. Do we have it now? If you're in this room and you can't say you've done these things, then you're not helping our culture. You're hindering it. Find a place, and if you're a guest, keep coming, okay? I want you, that doesn't mean you can't visit. They know, you know who I'm talking to if you're in this room and you're sitting on the fence. Stop it. It's selfish, okay? I know it's scary. I'm not going to ask your social security number tomorrow. It'll be next week. I'm just kidding, all right? If you're in this room, at the end of the day, though, people are going to let you down. The only person that's not going to let you down is God. That's real. It's not just words. Well, where's God when I was lonely? I'm telling you right now, I 100%, and everybody's going to think I'm being dramatic pastor talk. I have had two times in my life, the first one specifically, when I had nobody. Homeless, all those things. That's real. That's a real story. And God never abandoned me. And God tangibly showed himself. There were moments I felt his arms around me, kept keeping me afloat, keeping me alive, keeping me through. God is faithful. I promise you that's the truth can have a relationship. He's wanting you. He's been chasing your whole life. Today, if you don't know him really, if you know of him, today is another day where he's saying to you what he's been saying to you for however many years. You know the times. The times when you're like, God was chasing me and I ignored him. Here it is again. He's at your door knocking. Will you let him in or are you going to keep him outside? You're going to try to listen to the door or are you going to invite him in? The gospel's real simple. God made everything perfect, and when we followed him, it was perfect and great, and because we said, now I want to do it my way, we messed everything up, and we can't make our way back to him. The door is too thick. We can't get our way through it, but he can come through it for us, and so God did that. Jesus Christ came down in the form of a man, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, showed us how to live, showed us how to live with each other, and then he did something incredible. He restored our relationship to him. He paid our price he served our punishment. He died on the cross and three days later was raised from the dead. Todd, that doesn't happen. Okay, well, years ago, people didn't think the earth was round. The fact is, what you know isn't everything. It's a fact. Where 500 witnesses saw the living Christ. And that God lives today and offers you the same thing he offered those that back then. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be free? Do you want to have peace? Do you want to have real joy? Do you want to not live in shame and condemnation and fear anymore? Do you want to know that if you were to die today, Lord forbid, that you would be with him in paradise? If you can't say 100%, if I died today, I'd be with God in paradise, then you need to listen to what I'm saying right now. You can have that assurance. How? Very simple. Jesus died on the cross and offers us something. He offered it. He was thinking of you. He said, I'll take your sin, your mistakes, your punishment if you give it to me. And in return, I'll give you my perfect, holy life, the benefits of my clean slate. 
you have to turn away from your life, put your faith in me. It isn't about perfectionism because you can't do it on your own. But you say, I will follow you, God. I will follow you, Jesus. The Bible says in Romans, actually, if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. You can have that today. It's real. Hey, I don't get a cookie if you accept Christ. I'm telling you because it's real. It changed my life. He can change yours too, and he wants to. I know it's late. Remember what I said, be in the moment. There'll be people up here willing to pray with you. There's people you probably came with. If you're lonely, you're hurting, you're, maybe, maybe you're just hurt. You need someone to talk to. You need that moment of community. Take a chance and pray with someone. I promise the people up here are trustworthy. Because I don't trust anyone, and I think they're trustworthy, so it's, you're good. I already, I already, what is it called? I vetted them, right? Don't leave this place the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.